How about a rail journey across the southern island of New Zealand? Welcome aboard and welcome to the Breeder Journal Week 47. Hello everyone, it's Frank Peters again from the Breeder Project and I would just like to introduce this week's topics to you. In this issue, we continue our exploration of New Zealand with Genevieve. We also meet Xavier, who is not just an excellent comedian, but also a rather unusual Santa. And do you love your wooden spoons? Well, in this issue, there are some tips on how you can look after them. My conversation with Alexandri, who lives in Luanda in Angola, led me to explore cassava, a very popular vegetable in his country. We have our 15 top picks from the supermarket, and this week's crossword are 20 verbs, all beginning with the letter E. Download the magazine version of the journal, and if you wish, do the exercises and send them to me. If you want to find out more about the Breeder Project, then you can go to www.breeder.eu. You can subscribe to the journal and members can visit the Breeder Library and see what else there is to do. Also, we have something new. You can go to our online shop, which is www.shop.breeder.eu and you can buy the workbook edition of the Breeder Journal. It contains all the articles and all the interactive exercises for you to do as well. So, once again, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great week. Back in November 2019, when traveling was still normal, my student Genevieve and her husband went to New Zealand. In our series, A Curious Land, she tells us about her experience. Today, we board the Transalpine Express and cross the South Island from Greymouth to Christchurch, where she describes to us the after-effects of the earthquake that shocked the people there in 2011. Bon voyage! New Zealand, A Curious Land, Part 5 the Transalpine Railway to Christchurch. We took the bus from Punakaki to Greymouth, where we boarded the Transalpine Express from Greymouth to Christchurch, from the West Coast to the East Coast. For the fans of Lord of the Rings, the line crosses a few places where the films were made. New Zealand has three passenger train lines, the Transalpine Express and the Coastal Pacific on the South Island, and the Northern Explorer on the North Island. The Transalpine Express is a beautiful train. We sat in a scenic coach, which gave us spectacular views of the landscape. The train passed through the Arnold River Valley and along the banks of Lake Brunner. We drove through mountain valleys and broad riverbeds. Once we had passed through the Otera Tunnel, which is over eight kilometres long, the landscape began to change. We had left the West Coast region, but had not yet arrived at the Canterbury Plains outside of Christchurch. We stopped at Arthur's Pass. It is a small town, roughly at the midpoint of the journey. From here to the next stop, Springfield, the journey is spectacular. We passed through many tunnels and crossed four long and high viaducts. 
we felt as if we were floating in the air. In Springfield, we left the Alpine region. The descent is quite remarkable. About 60 kilometres outside of Christchurch, the landscape becomes flatter and more agricultural. The Canterbury Plains are one of New Zealand's main farming areas. The Transalpine is one of the world's greatest train journeys. The distance is over 200 kilometres and it takes just under five hours. We were not bored by the constantly changing and beautiful landscape. The carriage was calm and quiet. People whispered. Everybody just looked out, too afraid to miss something. Welcome to Christchurch. We only spent one and a half days in Christchurch. It was a stopover to change for the trip to Kakura. So we just concentrated on the old town. Reality catches up with you in Christchurch. The destruction after the 2011 earthquake was still quite visible, even eight years later, in 2019. The buildings that are now being constructed are earthquake-proof. Quake City is a museum that tells the story of what happened and also provides a good education on how to prepare for earthquakes and explains the science of earthquakes. Christchurch still suffers from a certain trauma after the quake. People are very silent when they go to the earthquake museum. Everybody speaks in very hushed tones to respect the victims. There is a memorial with 100 white chairs to commemorate the people who died in the quake. We saw this when we left Christchurch on the bus to Kakura. It was a moving sight and gave me goose pimples. Although New Zealand is a quake area, this particular one was the strongest on record. There were two in a relatively short space of time, which is why the experience was so phenomenal. The emotional impact of the earthquake can really be felt in a museum, and it's difficult to explain it outside the museum. At our accommodation, our host explained to us that many of the local population are still traumatised eight years later, especially those who lost loved ones on that day. The city has a population of 350,000, making it the largest city in the South Island. It celebrates its English heritage like nowhere else in New Zealand. It is geographically diverse. You can drive from the beach to the mountains in less than two hours. We also saw a beautiful park with oversized trees. Christchurch's old town is very much in the English Victorian style. Many buildings were rescued and consolidated to preserve them. We also went to the Canterbury Museum to explore a little bit about the Maori culture. We were able to really learn about the development of New Zealand into the place it is today. You can also see the world's largest collection of myrrh bones, an extinct bird which could not fly and was bigger than an emu. Regretfully, we did not have the time to go to Akaroa. It was a former French settlement about 90 minutes from Christchurch. It is situated on a peninsula. It is part of the mainland, but detached enough to be different. The streets have pretty French names and are lined with charming cottages cloaked in roses. We wanted to continue our journey to Kakora, New Zealand's ocean playground.
have to admit, when my wife and I cook in the kitchen, I never really considered the humble wooden spoon. But after working on this article, I began to see things in a new light. Do you love your wooden spoons? If so, read and listen how you can form a long-lasting relationship. Reader at Home Caring for your humble wooden spoon. At first glance, wooden cooking utensils appear to be very attractive. However, this quickly changes when they are used for cooking. Sauces, soups, and pan dishes are tough on utensils. The wood discolors and frequently smells strongly. Food residue sticks to the wood much faster than it does to metal or silicon cooking spoons. Germs can always get inside because wood is porous by nature. But it doesn't have to come to that if you clean your utensils on a regular basis. Discoloration and germs will no longer have a chance. Cleaning kitchen spoons. This home remedy is effective at removing discoloration and bacteria. To clean wooden cooking utensils thoroughly, you only need one home remedy. Baking soda. And here's how it works. 1. Combine 1 sachet baking soda and 500 milliliters hot water. 2. Soak the wooden spoons and other similar cooking utensils in it for up to 4 hours. 3. Finally, rinse the wooden spoons under running water and allow them to dry, and the discoloration has vanished. But why, of all things, baking soda? When the household remedy penetrates the wood fibres, it removes germs, bacteria and, incidentally, discoloration. This popular household remedy can also be used to clean carpets and mattresses. Try it out. There is a simple trick that can be used to prevent future odours and discoloration. Hold the spoon under cold water before stirring if you're cooking with fat. This insulation makes it more difficult for fat to adhere to the surface. This also makes it more difficult for odours to permeate the wood. How to keep your cooking utensils forever Wooden cooking spoons require proper care to keep them looking pristine for a long time. But how does that work in practice? Cleaning with baking powder or bicarbonate of soda is simple, as is maintenance. Tip 1. Apply oil to wooden spoons. After each use, give your wooden cooking utensils a quick wipe down with rapeseed, sunflower, olive or walnut oil. In addition to caring for the wood, the oil also acts as a protective film. You can either rub the cooking utensils with a little oil or place them in an oil-filled jar for this purpose. Tip 2. Avoid using the dishwasher. Never put wooden cooking spoons or wooden boards in the dishwasher. High temperatures can cause the wood to crack, making it easier for germs and bacteria to enter. Cleaning the cooking utensils immediately after each use with a drop of dishwashing liquid and a sponge is usually sufficient. Tip 3. Clean wooden cooking spoons with salt water. In addition to washing with baking soda or baking powder, you can occasionally soak your wooden cooking spoons in hot water and salt. This home remedy has the same effect and consistently cleans the utensils.
Javier loves to tell a joke. He's rather good at it, actually. So when he decided to advertise in the Reader Journal, the question was, can he combine his humor with the necessary information needed to promote his business? And can my wife capture all that when recording this advertisement? What do you think? Have a listen. Javier, you're comedian. Are you ready for some hilarious entertainment? Well, I'm exactly what you're looking for in your event. I'm really quite excited to come over and share some of my funny jokes and comedy routine with you. I enjoy attending a wide range of events. Birthday parties, weddings, anniversary parties, fundraising events, community events, concerts, conferences, corporate event meetings, New Year's Eve parties, nursing or care home events, product launches, retirement parties, trade shows or exhibitions, and many other types of events are available. I travel with my own gear. All I want is a place to plug my cord in. I request €350 for my show, which I collect directly after the show. I usually set up my table and sell really well-made men's t-shirts and women's blouses. Do you need a real bearded Santa? Christmas cheers are in my bag for holiday fun, traditional Christmas entertainment and good times. I'm not your typical phony shopping mall Santa. I sing, dance and perform stand-up comedy. And I have a genuine beard. See you soon, I hope. Comedian Javier, call me on 07XX131326. A few days ago, I had an interesting conversation with Alexandri, who lives in Luanda, the capital city of Angola in Africa. We covered a wide range of topics, including, of course, what people like to eat. He described a vegetable called cassava. This was new to me, and he explained a way of preparing it, which you can read in this week's Recipe of the Week. What to cook this week? Cassava, shared by Alexandre from Luanda, Angola. Cassava is a starchy root vegetable, also known as yucca, and can be used as a side dish for grilled meats or sauce preparations. It can take the place of potatoes in almost any dish you can think of. Simply peeling, boiling and mashing cassava results in a delicious dish. Cassava has a hard, firm texture and a shiny brown skin, similar to a very long sweet potato. Farina and gari are staple products made from this root in West African cuisines and are naturally gluten-free. Creamed cassava with roast garlic. One garlic bulb, one to two teaspoons olive oil, one kilogram cassava, one to two teaspoons salt plus more to taste, one cup, half and half, warmed, half and half is milk and cream, four tablespoons unsalted butter, pinch grated nutmeg, freshly ground black pepper to taste. Preheat the oven to 230 degrees centigrade. Peel the garlic, cut off about one centimetre from the top, exposing the cloves. 
place the garlic on a square of aluminium foil and drizzle it with olive oil. Wrap the garlic tightly with the foil. Bake for one hour. Remove the garlic from the oven and allow it to cool before handling. Squeeze the garlic out of the papery husks into a bowl. Keep for later. While the garlic is roasting, peel the cassava using a sharp knife or potato peeler. Cut the cassava into cubes. Place the cassava in a saucepan and cover with water. Add one to two teaspoons of salt, bring to a boil and then reduce to medium heat. Cover and simmer until the cassava is thoroughly cooked, about 20 minutes. The cassava should be fork tender and slightly translucent. Remove the cassava from the heat and drain off the water. Place cooked cassava in a bowl along with the half and half butter and roasted garlic. Mix together and season with nutmeg and salt and pepper to taste. Enjoy! Howard at the Breeders Supermarket has 15 top picks for you. I just wonder, did he make the right choice? Listen and find out. Breeders Supermarket. Our special offers this week. Our top picks. Extra virgin olive oil, 500ml, €4.40. Euro Two garlic chicken Kievs, 260g, €1.99. Organic mature cheddar, 350 grams, 3 euro 99. Punjabi ketchup, 275 grams, 2 euro 50. Cheesy ham and bacon pizza, 315 grams, 2 euro 99. Luxury quilted toilet tissue, 10 rolls per pack, 2 euro 20. Sable brand cat food, 400 gram tin, 70 cents. Tikka Masala Curry Sauce, 450 grams, 1 euro 25. Unsalted Butter, 250 grams, 2 euro 35. Sweet Mixed Baby Tomatoes, 250 grams, 3 euro 99. Pink Lady Kids Apples, 6 per pack, 3 euro 95. Reduced Fat Hummus, 200 grams, 1 euro 20. Chickpeas in Water, 400 grams, 75 cents. Color Protect Hair Conditioner, 400 grams, 2 euro 50. Small Chocolate Muffins, 250 grams, 1 euro 75. Offers while stocks last, valid from November the 22nd to November the 27th, 2021. <music>